Welcome to Win the Future, a podcast where we chat with folks who are tackling the most significant challenges our communities face today to make for a better tomorrow. I'm your host, Brett Broster. Hello and welcome to Win the Future. This is your host, Brett Broster, and this is episode five. And we are here with the one, the only, Ruben Felipe, who is a well-known political operative in the state, former deputy chief of staff to the city of Bridgeport, and currently is the executive director of the Northeast Charter School Network. Ruben, welcome. Thank you for having me. And it's it's now the Connecticut Charter Schools Association. Got it. I still Parties. got it wrong. So got it. <laughs> got it. It's okay. Ruben is also a wonderful father and is working from home. Yes. And as you're working from home, your daughter who's in third grade? is virtually learning, right? Yep. So I actually have two children that are virtually learning. One's a 12th grader. Um, but of course, that's a totally different experience and more independent. And then, and then my daughter, who's a third grader. Talk a little bit about what the difference is there in terms of how they're learning uh, virtually. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of differences. Um, um, my, my 12th grader has spent most of his quarantine time with his mom. So there's that, right? Um, and also just, you know, at, by 12th grade, he, 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 the work is more independent, right? Uh, you know, and so he he um, he doesn't need, obviously, the assistance that an eight-year-old needs in terms of maneuvering through technology or, you know, trying to figure out some of the material and how to, how to, how to approach it, you know, for the work. So, I mean, of course, there are still questions, but it's, it's, it's night and day. It's a totally different experience. And so... On the third grade front with Olivia, mm-hmm. uh, what does a typical day look like? Remote learning for us in where we are in Stratford, and I think for most parents, has is different. It looks different this school year than it did the second half of last year's school year when schools were sort of forced to move to a remote learning model without having any prep time. You know, and even in the, during this school year, it took a little while, and there were some tweaks in the model in the first. Uh, several weeks, maybe the first month, but a typical day looks like you know you 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 get up like you're like any other day, right? And uh, and uh, you know we, we similar to like when you work remote, right? We've set up a separate space for Olivia that's like a dedicated classroom space. We're lucky enough to to you know have that room and also just not have have multiple kids like some folks have that you know so we can set up an independent space. Um, so it's like logging on to the morning. Uh, first class, right, which is usually around 845 uh, through, you know, in, in Olivia's case, you use Google Meets. Um, and then, you know, sort of like the first engagement with the teacher, the teacher has got to go back and forth in in, in our in our uh, at our school between, you know, in-person students and the remote students. Right. So um, so she kind of sets the kids off for the day. You go to your Google Classroom and you have your set of assignments. And then there's a series of additional Google Meets that are that are that are uh, subject based, right? So you'll have like an hour and a half for an hour of science, you know, reading, um, and 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 there'll be additional teachers that'll sort of do smaller group, a couple of smaller group zooms, particularly around reading and, and, and math, to try to give that more individualized attention. But in between those, um, then it's doing the work that's assigned, you know, for the day and for the week. And depending on the day, that can be that can sort of go for the normal school day, maybe end around four o'clock, five o'clock. But in most cases, it, you know, it extends past what, what I guess would be homework time. It extends past, you know, you'll, you'll sometimes, you know, 
be going to like seven, eight o'clock. Interesting. How does it differ from a normal school day in a way of that, that Olivia feels it's, um, it's better versus challenging? Well, you know, what's interesting is, you know, it's more of a coronavirus perspective from an eight-year-old's point of view, right? I, I think I might have mentioned this to you in, you know, in a previous conversation, but I, several months ago, I think, because I have no concept of time anymore, <laughs> Olivia asked me a question. And she said, um, when you were little and there was a pandemic, how long were you uh, in home for, right? Like, how long were you quarantined for? And I had to explain to her that, that that's something that was I'd never experienced in, ever in life before. And and I could see that kind of like blew her mind a little bit. And so I think, you know, because um, I think we're far from like um, COVID paranoid, but we try to be safe and and we, you know, we don't we don't really try to shelter her from the reality of what's going on. She and, and also she's involved in some extracurricular activities that allow her to have engagement with other kids her age. She is not really in a rush to go back to school. And I think she likes the pace of the work and the fact that she can do it throughout the day. And, you know, there, there's some help from me at some level, um, you know, in between my work schedule. But obviously the biggest difference is that she's physically home, right? She's not at school. She's not interacting with other kids. She doesn't have the one-on-one attention of the teacher in the way that she would, um, you know, the delivery of the material, you know, I think they're doing, you know, the best job that they can, but the teachers will tell you themselves and and everybody and educational experts will tell you it doesn't replace in-person learning. Um, Luckily, I'm, I'm, you know, still, I I guess, proficient enough in third grade subjects that I can be of some help. My daughter is also in a dual language program. So she, all her subjects, she takes in both English and Spanish and it rotates, you know, um, sometimes in the day and some, you know, and, and so she has a different, you know, sort of a principal teacher on a week by week basis. So that adds, that adds to, you know, to the, to the degree of difficulty, I think. And so um, for her, I, you know, I think the biggest difference is not getting up, not going to school um, and not having that interaction. But I, you know, if you were to ask her, which obviously we do, um, she right now is very comfortable staying, work, going to school remotely. I think it's more challenging for me as an adult than it is for her as a child. Yeah. So actually on that note, talk a little bit about it, how it is for your work day and for Tammy's work day. Yeah. So when the school year started, we were both um, mom and dad were both home working remotely, which, of course, gave some flexibility on who, you know, we could we could we could um, we could share the responsibility. And maybe when I was on a call, if, if she wasn't, um, she could help Olivia, mom, you know, Tammy could help Olivia. And, you know, I think a few weeks in. Uh, Tammy got called in full time to work. And so then, you know, I was handling the school stuff. I'm lucky and I recognize that that I have a job that a allows me to work remotely. Right. And B, that I I have some flexibility in my schedule. So once it became once the schedule of the schoolwork started to get solidified and, and kind of, you know, where I could predict what it might look like, then I was able to move around some things so I could create openings. Um, in the day, but it gets challenging, um, you know, because, you know, you're, you're working, right. And, and, you know, from, you know, we both have had jobs where we worked remotely before the pandemic, you have to really create a separate space, right. And you have to create boundaries so that you can get your work done. And that's hard to explain to an eight year old who wants you to help them figure out 
how to log on to this new, you know, uh, learning site or needs help, you know, with a definition of something that she's reading. And so, you know, it becomes challenging because sometimes something she's worked on gets stalled for like an hour because I'm the only resource she has and I have to finish this this Zoom meeting and I can't say, hey, excuse me, guys, you know, especially if it's external stuff. Right. And so that becomes challenging. I think it extends the workday, too, for me, because now I'm taking you know, periods of time that would normally be the, the time that you, you know, that you return emails or that you work on, 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 on reports or plans or what have you. And I use that time to help her. And so then that extends the workday for me, you know, into the evening um, and into the weekends in a way that, you know, is, is, you know, it can be a lot sometimes. So and we both worked in Bridgeport and I know your son is a state rep in Bridgeport. Mm-hmm. Uh, Antonio, shout out to Antonio. I read something where 22% of low-income households don't have access to uh, broadband and 80% of higher-income households, like like we are right. in, um, f- very fortunate to be, uh, have broadband access. Do you know folks who are dealing with broadband issues or more generally, can you talk a little bit about how how, what, what kind of communication comes from the school district on that front? Yeah, I mean, I think, so I will say this. Um, one, it, it, you know, you, we we're talking about the challenges that I'm, that I'm facing personally. And, and I always feel, you know, I, I, I always make it a point to remind myself and to, to always say that, you know, I'm so fortunate, right? I'm so fortunate that I'm, you know, in, in a position in life where I can work remotely. I can keep my daughter home because that's what we think is, is best. You know, um, and I have the access to to the Internet and to, you know, if I needed to buy a device, which I didn't have to. um, uh, But if I did, I could. Right. And whatever I need to do uh, for her. But, yeah, I mean, I think broadband is broadband is one. It was a particularly big issue when schools went hybrid last school year. I think, you know, locally in Bridgeport, you know, the state has done a pretty decent job of, of working with the providers locally. I think, you know, I, I, I feel like that has subsided some, but not completely, certainly. Um, two, you know, you're talking about folks that have multiple children in the household, right? Even with the access to, to like the free Wi-Fi that you get, that, that, that can be challenging in terms of, um, you know, the strength of, of the signal and the consistency, especially when you're doing like, you know, Google Meets or, or Zooms or or you know, live video streams, I think also the devices, right? The schools are still not at one-to-one in terms of the device per child. And so, you know, if you have a a household with multiple kids and you don't have a device or you're working off your phone, and I really couldn't explain to you unless you go to it, but it makes this process exponentially harder, right? And more difficult. And you're also, in most cases, talking about parents who are frontline workers or essential workers, and they don't have the flexibility of time so you imagine someone goes and they work their eight, 10 hour shift, what have you. And then they come home and their kid, uh, child home who needs help processing all the stuff. And and now the extra layer of of even for parents learning the software. Right. And learning uh, perfect examples like, you know, you know, learning Google Docs or, or Google Classroom or, or Microsoft Teams or what have you. You know, most folks, you know. Of, of any income level, right? Don't have to use those, those, they don't use those tools, right? And so you gotta, so not only are you, you not only are you, are you challenged with, with, 
with internet and your challenge with devices, but then you have this additional challenge of trying to figure out how to navigate through technology or, or at least software that you're not accustomed to. Yeah. And what, ca- so is it Google classroom, the setup or are there different for me? Right. But they're different all over. I think city of Bridgeport uses Microsoft teams okay. and their suite of products. You know, some schools use the Google classroom and it's like anything else, right? Some people swear by one or the other, um, you know, there's a combination. There's my daughter's school uses mostly Google meets, but they also sometimes will use a zoom, but yeah, they're all over the place. District by districts, you know, school by school, pretty much district by district. They, they vary. Um, interesting. I think it has a lot to do with what the it setup was for the district ahead of the pandemic. Right. So, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, so I'm going to a business school at Southern Connecticut state university and we'll have, um, of class one day where one professor uses WebEx. The next class, it's Microsoft Teams. The next class, it's Zoom. It's it's interesting, but that's great that you have it by district where there's they're on one platform. Yeah. Again, I think I think it has a lot to do with with um, you know, th- this being sprung on districts and schools, obviously. Uh, and you know, you, if you're, if you're, if you're, if you have one suite of, of software packages, you're, you're, you're not going to change your entire, you know, sort of it setup, you know, midstream. So, um, I think they just kind of had to go with what they had. So got yeah. it. Got it. And where they get their support. So understood. Uh, great. Well, Hey Ruben, we're going to take a quick break and we will be back shortly for the second part of this, where we'll get into some more personal questions. Win the Future is sponsored in part by Connecticut by the Numbers. If you're looking to learn more about what's happening and why, check out Connecticut by the Numbers, where every number tells a story. Connecticut by the Numbers goes beyond the headlines across the state. For Connecticut news that counts, visit ctnumbers.news or follow them at ctnumbers. And we're back for the second part of this amazing interview with Ruben Felipe. And Ruben, talk to us a little bit about um, I know your son, Diego, who's a senior, plays sports, um, but I would imagine that's not happening right now. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, and again, this is not this, I believe, is sort of um, district by district decisions. But um, yeah, the, the 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 fall sports program was pretty much suspended uh, where, where he, you know, at his school or, or at his home district school. And uh and so that's not been an option. He's a senior, and obviously, you know, that's something you look forward to, right, um, in your high school career. But, you know, it's just one of the casualties of, of the reality of where we're in, right, in order, you know. And, and honestly, you know, you, 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 there's a lot of things that you can do um, safely and still do, but, you know, there's things that are not worth the risk. And, and so I think I, I totally am fine with decisions that were made because I think the most important thing in that, in that, um, specific cases to be safe. And is Diego was looking to go to college to play football, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that was inside. It was, is, that was in his plans as much as 17 year olds have plans. I think that was part of potentially his plan. I mean, I think, you know, it's not, this, we're not in a situation where, you know, um, we're talking about my son having like division one scholarship offers, you know, but, but certainly, you know, it's part of the plan, part of potentially what, you know, some kind of scholarship, if not, you know, up on, you know, just something he'd want to continue an activity he'd want to continue in, 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 in college. So. Well, I'm wondering how it impacts the conversations from colleges between 
high school athletes. Like I, I have to, it, on one hand, it must be easier because you have, you know exactly where that student is going to, to be at home, right? For the most part. But on the other hand, you're not getting to see games. You don't know what they've been doing. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm curious myself, to be honest with you. I mean, this, yeah, as you know, right? Like there's, there's the sort of cream of the crop division one athletes in the, in the more, um, you know, the, the higher income sports, right? The income re- revenue generating sports. And I'm sure they'll, they, they have all the resources of the world to figure out how they, how they, you know, overcome that. I think the student athletes who are in the sports that are not, you know, football, basketball, baseball, et cetera. Um, I think, you know, th- those are, there's less resources for those sports and in, in colleges. And so I, I'm, I'm very curious at how they do that. Right. Because I think without having anything to go on tape or, 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 you know, statistics or what have you. I, I, I don't know how they, how they tackle that. Yeah. And how many kids, I mean, I remember when I, when I was a senior in high school going to look to play college sports. I mean, you, you've got, you're regimented with any kind of high school sport program where you're, you're working out. I mean, now kids, if they're not, they're not only are they not playing, I would imagine that it not having readily available access to the gym must have a huge impact. Yeah, I mean, I think as a parent, like for me at least, my my kids playing sports or involved in sort of you know extracurricular activities. The main benefit for me was like participating in something you know that's athletic, right? That just you know is good for you physically and also learning the lessons that team activities teach you, right? How to work with other folks and and also because you know especially when you're talking about teenage kids, idle time is is you know is not a good thing right like when i was a teenager whatever trouble i got into is because i had a lot of idle time and so keeping kids focused and busy and things that they like is is helpful and so yeah i mean you know i i teenagers i think um at least in my experience i've had several of them (laughs) several of them now they they are a little bit less specifically vocal about the way this thing impacts them because i just don't think they're processing it not and this is not everybody but I think, you know, a lot the, the, there's difficulty processing what the impact is, but certainly not being able to have normal social interaction outside of even playing a sport or, you know, or whatever activity. Um, and then in addition, not being able to have those activities, you know, and, and school is really is really sort of shrunk down to just like being on your computer a few times a day. Definitely impactful. My son's a senior, right? He's probably not going to have a prom. He might not have a prom. He might not have you know, uh, like a formal graduation, hopefully by, by, by the summer we can do that, but not clear right now, or it doesn't look like we would be able to right now. And so those are things, you know, that are obviously, you know, big memories, but again, you know, to the, to something we talked about in the previous segment, like I, I more focus on, you know, that those are a little bit first world problems. They're significant and they're real, but there's families and kids that are just trying to figure out how to get through this, you know, from an educational standpoint and beyond, Folks are worried about whether they're going to get evicted or foreclosed and, you know, and, and, and where they're going to work. It is sad that kids won't get graduations or proms or, you know, play sports or what have you. But, you know, there's these sort of bigger, you know, sort of cliffs that a lot of families are, are looking at. And, and that's really scary. Definitely. So before we go, I just want to ask, um, I think it's probably a little abnormal for somebody to be in a position of lobbying their son. <laughs> How is that? Yeah, well, you know, before even that, it's strange to, to, you know, unfortunately, 
um, because of COVID, I, I haven't spent a lot of time at the Capitol, you know, you know, over the time that that Antonio has been in, in office. Um, he, of course, won in a special election after the, the passing of a close friend of all of ours in, in Representative Santiago. And that was towards the end of the session two years ago. And so he had about I think it was like a month or six weeks in session then. And then, of course, this session ended abruptly, you know, I think a month in to it. So I haven't spent, you know, so maybe like a total of two and a half months where I was in the building and he was in the building. So even like calling him Representative Felipe, you know, is is obviously a little strange um, for me. But, you know, I I uh, I try to as a parent in general at, at this point with my son being 24, I try to I, I think I was a very I've been a very overbearing parent when my kids were younger. So I try to lay back and just be a resource for 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 um you know for him to be able to come if if he has questions um you know i'm very proud of the work he did this summer on the on the police accountability legislation and and he really stepped up and played a a big role in getting that passed i know it's unpopular with some folks but i think it's super important piece of legislation um but when it comes to issues of education education equity things like charter schools you know uh, he knows that my objective personally and professionally is equity for kids across the board, right? Like, you know, I, I, I'm not, I'm not coming at this from an ideological standpoint. I'm coming at this from the reality that in Connecticut, we have, you know, the worst achievement gap in the country. And that's, and, you know, charter schools aren't, isn't going to solve that. It's part of the solution. Choice is part of the solution, but whatever I advocate for is in the, you know, I, I, I intended to be in the best interest of all kids. And I know that's his goal, right? As an elected official, he has to look at all of his constituents. And so I, there's not been in the short time any conflict. I, he has no problem disagreeing with me, right? And like telling me, you know, we, we, we weren't on the same page in, 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 in the presidential primary, for, for example, right? So he has no problem um, being his own person, which, which makes me very proud of him. But so, you know, so far it hasn't been an issue. Um, and, and I don't think it ever will be. I think if he, if he, I don't think, I know if he feels strongly that he can't support something that I support, he'll tell me and we'll agree to disagree. And, you know, then I'll support his opponent and we'll go from there. <laughs> uh, that's amazing. Uh, cool. Well, Ruben, any, any last words? I can't thank you enough for your time. No, this has been really fun. You know, I've enjoyed spending this time and, and, and having this conversation. You know, this is going to sound I know this is going to air afterwards, but I hope everybody has has participated and went out to vote. But but, you know, regardless of what the outcomes of the election um, were, I guess, when this airs, you know, I encourage folks to continue to stay focused on getting involved in whatever way, whether if you if you just your participation is voting, vote, like check out what's going on in your municipality. Um, Those people decide how much taxes you pay. They decide how your police departments are run. They decide, you know, how your schools are run. And then at the statewide level, again, they decide what your income tax is, how many, how much funding comes to your municipality, to your school district. Like, stay vigilant and get involved and don't use the excuse that things can't change. Or, you know, get, get involved at whatever level that you're comfortable, but remain, um, you know, as, as keep the momentum that's going in this election cycle and, and let's, you know, deal with what we need to deal with in the state. Excellent. Ruben, can't thank you enough. Uh, Thanks to everybody who's listening. This is Win the Future, episode four. We will be back next week. Thank you for listening to the Win the Future podcast. 
sponsored by the strategic communications firm, A Better Campaign. Make sure to visit our website at abettercampaign.com backslash win the future. Please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts and share it with your friends. Thank you for tuning in. Please tune in again next Thursday for another episode of Win the Future.